This morning's scripture is in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Now, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. That's what I'm talking about. You know, I preach a lot at our church where we're at now, Heartland, and they just kind of, hey, good morning. They're real quiet. I love it. You can hear you guys so well. Seem so excited to be together. It is a joy to be with you today. My name is Chris, um, and I just want to let you know that you guys have an incredible, incredible pastor. I'm sure you know that. Uh, I've had a chance to get to know Brad over the past few years, and he has been an incredible encouragement uh, to my life. Um, as we've transitioned at Heartland to missional communities, uh, it has been a lot of work on my part learning what that means, as you guys are probably figuring that out in a lot of ways too. Uh, it's a different kind of lifestyle when you commit your life to live in community on mission with God. And Brad has been a blessing from God to me. Uh, he encourages me. Uh, and continues to help me figure more and more what it looks like to follow Jesus. Uh, and so I'm so excited to be with you. I've got my family here with me uh, as well. And uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, we're in the process. It's kind of a big move for us. Uh, we're moving to North Dakota in about five, mo- uh, five weeks, not five months. That'd be a lot easier. Uh, so just to hear a few weeks. And so we're leaving like 5 a.m. in the morning to go find a place to live. And uh, it's going uh, to be a lot of changes for us. But I'll share, share a little bit more about that as we, as we get going here. But this morning we are in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20. Uh, And this is an incredible passage. This is an incredible moment. One commentator uh, said this of the Great Commission, that this is the climax and the major focal point, not only of this gospel, but of the whole New Testament. And that commentator actually went on to say that this is the whole focal point of the Bible, Old and New Testament. And like that may, be, that may be a little strong, I'm not sure, but one way or another, what we get from that is that this is a super huge, major, central thing that we need to focus on. One of the most important passages in Scripture. It tells you what your life is about, the purpose of your existence as a human being on planet Earth. This is not a passage to just check out on. This is a passage that we slow down and we say, Wow. And so we're going to spend some time in it this morning. I love it. Uh, It's one of Jesus' commissions to his disciples, and not only to the disciples, but to each one of us uh, as well. And so here's something that's interesting, though, as we're going to be talking about making disciples this morning. What's interesting is there's a big difference between having to do something and getting to do something, right? There's a big difference between I have to get this done, I have to do this, and I get to do this. For instance, some of you guys, in fact, let's just, we'll even do this. Who loves to exercise in here? That's real. I was, I'm actually surprised. There's not very many people at all. Okay, well, good. Then we're mostly in the same boat. I'm not a fan of exercise. It's good for you. So exercise is one of those things like we need to do it. Like, like my doctor told me the other day, you have to do 150 minutes of exercise a week in order to stay, stay healthy. And so that's something I have to do. It's not something that I really think about like, man, I'm excited I get to. But my wife is somebody who loves exercising. And so she's somebody that will be like, oh, let's go to the gym today. I can't wait to do this. She counts it 
it the greatest privilege ever to get to go and to torture herself. And, you know, I don't understand it, but, you know, it's one of those things. She gets to do it. I have to do it. What about yard work? So like <laughs> a couple of people, are like, I love the yard. So it's another one though. Like you can look at it very differently. I have to cut my grass. I had to cut my grass yesterday. It was hot. I did not enjoy it, but it's done. But some people, man, they can't wait. As soon as I get off, I'm getting on my lawnmower. Uh, I'm going in the garden, whatever. I love it. I get to do this. And the, one of the biggest ones at our house is cooking. Okay, now I am the cook in our family because I love it. To me, like, I, I love it, like, it helps me relax. I don't know why I love cooking so much, but I do. So when I get off, I want to go home and I love to cook. I want to prepare dinner. I get to do that. It's a, it's a fun hobby for me. And then my wife, on the other hand, for her, she knows that her family needs to live and survive. So she will do it, but it's, it's just a, it's a drudge. You know, she's just, I, I'll do it because I have to do it because I'm supposed to, because it needs to be done. But there's a big difference between get to and have to. And I wonder this morning as we think about making disciples, as we bring up the topic, I wonder in your mind if this morning you're thinking about, I know I need to, I know I should, I know I have to because it's a command. Or I wonder this morning if you're amazed and in awe because you get to. Because Jesus has invited you into his story into changing this planet for the glory of God, into advancing his kingdom. You're invited, you get to. So where are you this morning as we jump into this message? Are you amazed that you get to make disciples or are you burdened that you have to? So we're gonna use that phrase, making disciples, quite a bit this morning. So I'm just gonna give us a definition, make sure we're all on the same page today. Uh, so if you're gonna make disciples, let's ask, what is a disciple? A disciple is a person who loves and follows Jesus in their everyday life. Plain and simple. It's a person who loves and follows Jesus in, in all of life, in everyday life. So making disciples means intentionally pouring my life into other people so that they can learn how to love and follow Jesus in their everyday life. So that's what it means to make disciples. It means I'm intentional about my life to pour into other people to the end that they would learn how to love and to follow Jesus in everyday life, in all of life. So that's what we mean as we say that. So um, what are some things that kind of get in our way? Because making disciples, while it should be this incredible privilege that Jesus calls us into, this incredible invitation, we do struggle with that. I'll be the first to tell you, I struggle with this. I go back and forth with the Lord. I know I have to, but there's not always days where I feel like I get to. And so here's a few reasons I think that we struggle. Number one is we don't know how. I wonder how many people in this room are just like, I really just don't know what I'm supposed to do. And if you don't know how to do something, it can feel kind of like a chore because it's just like, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Maybe we're too busy. You look at your schedule and you think the last thing I can do is make time for another person. We're comfortable where, we're, where we are. We're comfortable in our lives. I don't really want to meet my neighbors. I don't really want to spend extra time with my coworkers. I don't really want to have people over at my house for dinner. I don't really want to go that extra mile to invest in people for the kingdom because honestly, I'm pretty good right now. I'm comfortable right where I'm at. And that's a big struggle to make disciples often calls us into some of the most uncomfortable places. And then here's one other uh, that you may struggle with is just that we're afraid. 
We're afraid of crossing that line. We're afraid of bringing up these conversations. I mean, if we start talking about Jesus, they're gonna think I'm weird or maybe I'm not gonna know the answers to the questions as I begin to try to really intentionally pour into other people's lives, whatever it is, but, but maybe we're afraid. But the reality is that here in Matthew 28, I love it, that Jesus gives us a totally different way of thinking about making disciples. And if we can grab onto this, it can transform all these struggles and all these things we feel into a brand new passion to make disciples and to make our lives count for the glory of God. So here's our main idea this morning. This is what we're gonna kind of unpack as we go through this passage. Making disciples is an incredible invitation, not a burdensome obligation, okay? It is important to know from the beginning, this is a command. And so it's kind of ironic that I'd call it an invitation when Jesus says, no, you have to do this. He says, it is a command. But here's the thing about the commands of God in all the Bible. And I hope you, if you don't hear anything else, understand this. God gives commands as an invitation for you to enjoy life. That's a huge difference. God doesn't give you commands so you can do stuff, so you can do what he wants, so you can get stuff done and God can say, good, now I'm happy. That's not why God gives commands. God gives commands to invite you into life. And if you can learn to see the commands of God from that lens, that changes everything. God always has our best in mind when he's commanding. So when Jesus commands this to disciples, when he commands this to us, it's so much more than a command. It really is an invitation into the greatest life you can experience with your Savior. So how do we make this shift from, seeing, from making disciples, seeing it as an incredible invitation and not just a burdensome obligation. How do we make that shift? Well, there's four ways that we're gonna unpack here. The first one is this. Realize that Jesus wants you. It's a very, very simple statement that Jesus wants you. Listen to what he says here in verse 16. Now the 11 disciples, there's only 11 because you may remember that Just before this, about a day before this, Judas, who betrayed Jesus, was overwhelmed with grief and uh, and he hung himself. And so the disciples here, there's 11 of them. They've been through quite a weekend. They've been, they've seen their, their Messiah betrayed and handed over to the authorities. They've seen him crucified and tortured and murdered. They've seen one of their own be a part of that process. They've watched what they've done for the past three years, all their hopes and dreams vanish in front of their eyes. And here's where we pick up. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. I think about the walk and the conversation that they had on the way if they were talking. I mean, they have been through a lot. Emotionally, they have to be exhausted, confused. The, The story has begun to spread. Jesus has showed up. There's angels appearing to people. People. The women are coming saying, Jesus is alive and it's spreading. Jesus starts appearing to people and then they're, they're commanded, these women, or Jesus tells these women to go and tell the disciples to meet him on this mountain. And it says, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I love that verses like that are in the Bible. Because it doesn't say, and Jesus' disciples met him there and they were all on fire and they were right where they were supposed to be and they all had the right ideas and the right worship and they were 100% ready to go and they went and were 100% obedient. It doesn't say that. It says some of them just worshiped Jesus and it says some of them were still struggling. 
And some of them were trying to put all these pieces together going, that's Jesus, but what, like, what is going on? He was dead, now he's alive. And like, they're trying to put all these pieces together. Even though Jesus has been teaching them this, it still doesn't all make sense. They don't have it all figured out. And I love that Jesus, that's where he meets you. He doesn't meet you when you say like, I'm gonna get it all figured out. I'm gonna get to this place and then I'm gonna get excited about making disciples. Then I'm gonna get serious about serving Jesus. Jesus says, no, I want you right where you're at right in your mess, with your doubts, with your worship, whatever you've got, he says, I want you right now. He doesn't say you have to have it all figured out. He says, you just come to me with what you've got. That's the invitation. He says, I just want you. He says, I don't need something from you. I just want you. And that is absolutely incredible because when we believe that, when we begin to understand that God actually wants us not to get something from us, but because he actually loves us, man, that sets you free to pursue him. It sets you free to not feel like you have to measure up. You have to be something, but you can just be you and walk with the God who loves you. It's incredible because when we live our lives like that, that's where God really begins to use us in incredible ways. And when you look at your life right now, some of you may think about a life of making disciples and you think, I don't have anything to offer. I'm not, maybe you're not good in relationships. You're not good with people. You think of all the list of reasons why you're not gonna be good at making disciples. And Jesus says, I don't care about any of that. Because he can take what doesn't make any sense. He can take what's broken. He can take what's useless. And he can do absolutely anything he wants to do with it. You think about if I have a hammer and a chisel and a block of marble right now, that would be fun for you guys to watch, but the end result is just gonna be meaningless. There's gonna be a big mess up here and I can guarantee you I can't make anything out of it. But if you take that same hammer and chisel and put it in the hands of Michelangelo, like he can create masterpieces out of it because it doesn't matter what the tool is, it matters whose hand the tool is in. When you give God your life and you say, God, it's not much, God says, oh, you have no idea what I can do with this. That's the incredible invitation as Jesus says, I want you. And the gospel speaks a better word over you. I don't care what your past says about you. I don't care what your job says about you. It doesn't matter what your family says about you, what anybody thinks about you. It matters that Jesus says, I want you. So he invites us to join him in that. So that's number one. Number two, rest in the victory that Jesus already won. So verse 18, here's what it says. And Jesus came to them and he said this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Can you imagine? They get up this hill, they're standing before Jesus And he proclaims those words, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Like Jesus just rose from the dead. He has proved once and for all that not even death itself can stop what he wants to do in this world. And he proclaims to these disciples, look guys, I'm inviting you into something that nobody in the universe can stop. 
And he's not calling you to go and to do something. He's not calling you to make something happen. Jesus says, I want you to end. I want you to come to me. I want you to do this with me. Let me carry the burden because I'm the one who has won it. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. See, Jesus went to the cross. And when he went to the cross, he took our sins and he bore them there. And he suffered and he bore the wrath of God. Everything that we deserve for our sin, he bore it so that he could once and for all break the power of sin. So that he could set us free from that. So that he could be triumphant over all things. And so that he could rescue us. And not only the, us, but also anyone who would believe in him. Jesus says his proof that he has all authority is that he rose from the grave. And so he's standing here with these men that I know probably look very confused and very tired and very worn out. And Jesus says, I have got a mission for you. And there is not anybody who can stop it. And it's not on you, it's on me. And I have all authority in heaven and on earth. Have you ever met somebody who just has all, not all, but <laughs> who has authority I mean, like real authority that like when they just like are around, things happen. So I have a buddy that's a state trooper and I cannot say much about him because I don't know if this is, if he can get in trouble for this. But he took me and my wife with him one day, one night, uh, we were riding uh, in his patrol car with him and he goes really, really fast. And so we're driving down the interstate. I've never really driven in cars that go very fast and I'm not a manly man, I guess, because I got scared and I was very nervous the whole time that my wife was not, and she thought it was really funny that I was so like tense the whole time. So, but here's, here's what was so neat. I've never been, this doesn't happen when I'm driving up behind someone in my Kia and I'm like, yeah, you better move over. Kia's behind you. But he's like, he drives up behind somebody and as soon as they notice who it is, like, what do they do? Every person just gets out of the way. Every person just gets out of the way. And I was like, that's incredible. And a few people didn't because they couldn't, it was, it was at night. So a few people couldn't tell who he was. So he'd just flicker his lights real quick. And then they knew exactly who he was. And then they'd get over. And it was amazing. There was nobody that would stay in his way. And we were able to get from like Oxford to our house in like 30 minutes. It's incredible because that, with that authority, nobody is gonna stand in his way. And that's what Jesus is saying right here. He's saying that when you come to me, when you commit your life to making disciples, it's not on you. He said, it's on me. And I'm not just some dude. I'm not just a state trooper. I have all authority in heaven and on earth. Last time I checked, that's all authority. I can't think of any other place that authority might squeeze itself in. So Jesus is saying, it's, it's all. I've got it all. And I'm going to be victorious in this world. There's no chance I won't be victorious. The question is, do you want to join me in that victory? So he invites us in and he says, you don't have to bear this. Because how many of us, when you start thinking about discipling, when you start thinking about making disciples, you start thinking about, okay, I gotta say the right words. I gotta have the right curriculum. I gotta have this and I gotta have all my pieces together. I've gotta you know, do the right thing, say the right thing. I've gotta have this perfect process or I'm gonna mess it up. Jesus says you can't mess it up unless you don't join in it. The only way that you're going to fail is if you don't ever get started. If you don't ever invest your life into making disciples, that's the only way you're not going to make them. And so Jesus says, the victory is mine. Rest in that. Because as we go to make disciples, do you know the privilege we have? We have this great privilege of telling people, Jesus Christ rose from the grave with your penalty paid. We get to announce the good news that there is forgiveness and there is life for all people. And we get to teach people how to love Jesus and how to follow him in regular life. 
whether that's in their home, in their neighborhoods, at work, or wherever. What a divine gift that God has brought us into to say, I could do this by myself, but I want to use you to do it. And it's incredible. And so Jesus says, the gospel is going to change lives. I'm going to save people. I'm going to transform them. I just want you to invest your life being a part of it. I love it. Rest in the victory that Jesus has already won. Number three, reorient your life around making disciples. So these are ways that we make that shift to going from a burdensome obligation to an incredible invitation with the Lord. And I think this is a big reason that a lot of times making disciple falls flat in our lives is because we view it a little backwards. We view it like it's an event that we add on to our life. And so, so making disciples becomes this thing that you just schedule. And so it's just another thing you add in. So if you think about it like this, if you have a box and you have different compartments in this box, discipleship is just in one of those boxes. I've got my, you know, I go cycling, I go to the gym, I, I work in the yard, I make disciples. It's just another thing that we do. And so it can very easily feel like another chore because when you've got 500 boxes and you got to get them all done in a week, then you're just like, oh gosh, I have to make disciples sometime this week. I guess I should do that. I guess I need to go have coffee with so-and-so or whatever. It's just another thing you have to do. But that's not what Jesus invites us to. Jesus doesn't say, hey, I want you to just do some stuff. Jesus says, no, I want you to change the way you think about life. I want you to change the way you think about this whole thing of making disciples. And so instead of compartments in a box, think about it like spokes on a wheel. And when your whole life is reoriented around disciple making, then every spoke of your life is about disciple making. So then it's not like I have a compartment for work. I have a compartment for eating out at restaurants. I have a compartment for all this. It's no, I have a life that's lived for the glory of God to make disciples. And the way that I do that is I go to work and I love every coworker like Jesus. So when I'm in my neighborhood, Everything I do, I'm thinking about it from the lens of making disciples, that everything I do, all the words that I speak, the way that I live my life in my neighborhood is about disciple making. That when I go for a walk in the morning, when I'm eating at a restaurant, when I'm sitting down in my backyard and just hanging out, it all begins to reorient around how can I make disciples while doing this. We'll, we'll talk about that a little more practically here in just a moment. But look at what Jesus says here in verse 19. He says, go, therefore, because I have all authority in heaven and on earth, because I have it all and, and I'm going to be victorious in this world. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, what's really important here is there's only one verb. All right, you guys have to stick with me for just a second. But there's one, as soon as you say the word verb, I'm like, everybody's gone. Um, but I was an English major, so I love grammar. But make disciples is the only verb in this, in this whole command. There's one command, make disciples. And then Jesus says this, and I love that somebody was excited about that. Then uh, Jesus said, he says this, so you're gonna make disciples, this is how you do it. You're gonna go, you're gonna baptize, and you're gonna teach. So here's, here's what that looks like, is first of all, is, is you're gonna commit your life to going. All right, so that can look a couple different ways for people. On one hand, that could be something like our family, which is we're gonna go, literally, we're gonna go from South Haven to Bismarck. 
That's a big go. Some people go from where they live across the world to make disciples. But that doesn't necessarily have to be it. But to reach all nations, like Jesus said, yeah, some people are going to have to pack it up. And they're going to have to go across the world or go across the country. But some people, you just have to begin to go with your life. You have to be more intentional every day you wake up to say, I am going to make disciples. Step one, I'm going to live in a going way. I'm going after making disciples. So as you're going throughout your day, you're heading towards that end. I'm making disciples wherever I'm at. Then the next thing is baptizing. That as we baptize people, it is an obedience to Jesus that we lead people to. Uh, it's not, they don't get saved uh, when they get baptized. They're professing that they already have been saved. And so when, when Jesus says, I want you to go and baptize people, what he's saying is I want you to go and I want you to lead them to confess their new identity in Christ. That they're not who they used to be. That they're repenting from a life of living for this world to living for a life of loving him and following him above everything else. Jesus says they need to be baptized. And so we baptize people and we teach them to confess publicly that their life belongs to Jesus. And then after that, what do you do? Jesus says this, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. I think it's very important here. Jesus does not say, teach them what I've commanded you. He says, teach them to observe, teach them to obey what I've commanded you. How many times have you guys maybe been in like a discipleship type environment and it's about the things you're supposed to do, but you never actually get to how to do the things you're supposed to do and the accountability to actually do them? Because I think we have a lot of people in the church that know a lot about obedience, but I think we have very few people that obey. And Jesus says, I'm not looking for people that know stuff. We got enough people in the world that know everything. We need people that actually will obey what I've taught you. And so as we make disciples, what we're teaching people is how to actually do that. How do we actually love and actually follow Jesus in real, tangible ways to obey what he's taught us in his word? So as we think about this, reorienting our lives, man, when you begin to reorient your lives around discipleship, it changes things. You begin to really see and, be, and develop a passion for making disciples because you realize that disciple making happens all around you. I mean, it, it really does. When you commit your lives to pouring Jesus into other people, man, it just begins to take form in so many ways. And it can be such an, an, an awesome thing to be a part of. So real practically, how do we reorient our lives? Just give you a couple thoughts. One is we leverage what we already do for the kingdom. I want you to think about your life for a second. What do you already do in a given week that you could invite somebody else to be a part of? Whether they're a Christian or whether they're not. Making disciples is honestly, it's about bringing people from wherever they are to love and follow Jesus. Some of those people don't know Jesus. Some of those people do, but they all need to be discipled. They all need to be shown how to love and follow Jesus. So what do you already do in your life? I've always been challenged uh, by, this, by this statement, but we eat, most people eat 21 meals a week. How many of those are you spending with other people? How many of those are you intentionally using? You know, if you read the Bible, Jesus spent, uh, or not just Jesus, but all over the Bible, food is an incredible, incredible thing that God uses to advance his kingdom. That's one of the biggest things Jesus used. He used food so much people called him a glutton because they're like, Jesus is always eating. And he's eating with sinners. 
Did y'all know that? He's eating with sinners and he's drinking, I guess. I don't know. Like they don't, but like that's what they called him. They called him a drunk. And they were like, he had a reputation for eating and drinking. How do you get a reputation for being a glutton and a drunkard? Unless you're always with people eating and drinking. I'm not saying Jesus got drunk. Don't misunderstand me. Please don't. You didn't hear that. I did not say that. Because I'm really, I'm really, I didn't say that. So, but, but I'm saying like when you get that reputation, Jesus was with people all the time eating and drinking. And I love that, that he reoriented, he didn't reorient it, he oriented it. That was his life from the beginning is, is he lived it that way intentionally with other people. Um, another one is taking walks, maybe. I don't know how many of you guys take walks in the morning or in the afternoon. That's a great way to just begin to see who else is out here that can either walk with me or that I can make this walk intentional that on the way there's people I can talk to, there's people I can pray for, things like that. What can you incorporate if you're already taking walks? Working. If you have a job and you're working, I mean, you'll probably spend more time at work this week than anywhere else uh, you go. And so why not begin to think my job is not just this waste of time to give me some money for what I really love, but maybe begin to think of your work as, a, as an environment that God has given you to make an eternal difference in the people around you. And you could go on and on what you do for fun, all these different rhythms that we have in our lives. But number one, we leverage what we already do for the kingdom. Another thing is we give up things we love to go for the kingdom. And that could look different for each of you. As you remember, Jesus and the rich young ruler, he called him to give up his possessions, to give up everything that he had and to follow him. And, the, and that guy couldn't do it. He couldn't give up his power and his money. But sometimes Jesus is gonna call you in real ways to give up something you love, to go and to make disciples. And so part of being reorienting our lives is saying, Jesus, whatever you want, my life is on the table. And I don't know exactly what that's gonna look like, but it's being open to say, if you want my house, you can have it. If you want my kids, you can have my kids. If you want my job, you can have my job. If you want anything, it belongs to you. And I think that's the heartbeat of the gospel is the gospel is not just a new list of things that we do. It's a whole life that belongs to Jesus, that he has purchased us with his blood and that we now have this identity. We are his completely. And sometimes I don't think we understand how radical that is, that every second of your existence belongs to Jesus. And reorienting our lives around him is what we've been created for. And until we live in sync with that, we're always going to be a little bit off. And so Jesus invites us, don't just do discipleship, reorient your whole life around making disciples. And there's one more thing it's more and more way that we can make this shift. It's in verse 20 as it says this. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so Jesus says right here, he says, I want you to stop and I want you to really take this in. This word behold there, that's what it means. It means to stop. And to really take in the gravity of what this means. Jesus says, behold, I am with you always. He's not sending you out to go do some stuff. He's not sending you out to go make disciples. He's calling you out to go with him into making disciples. He said, I will never leave you. His very presence is literally with us. 
Through the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ is literally living in us and everywhere we go, he has promised that he will be with us. But not only do we have his presence with us, we have his power in us as well. Jesus has said, I will be with you and I will empower you for everything you need. I will give you everything you need to do what I've called you to do. And if you really want to experience the presence and the power of God in your life, it comes from making disciples. Because if we live in a comfortable place where we can manage everything, we're basically forfeiting, saying, I don't really want to experience the presence of God because I want to live where I can manage my life. I want to live where I can control it, where I don't really need to depend on God. But the fourth way that we really experience uh, this shift is when we learn to rely on the power and the presence of Jesus. When you want to really experience God's power and his presence in your life, you've got to begin to put yourself in environments where he's all you need. Where if you don't have him, everything falls apart. And when you commit to a life of making disciples, I guarantee you, you're going to need Jesus more and more because it's hard. It is hard to live a life like this. It's more than you can do. It's more than I can do. It's a life that Jesus alone can do through us. And that's why he said, as he, he said this to the disciples, I can just imagine these are guys that have lived in Israel their whole life. Like they don't, I don't know that they've really been outside of Israel uh, before. I, that may be somewhere, but I, not that I know of. And so he says these guys, I want you to go and make, make disciples to what? All nations. I want you to just think about the, the vastness of that command. All nations. There's 11 of them standing in front of Jesus. You want us to do what? How on earth are we gonna do anything in this world? God, how on earth are we gonna make any difference for your kingdom, any lasting difference for, for the glory of God? How are we gonna do that? We're just a handful of people. And I just love it because that's where Jesus says, behold, if you could just learn to behold this, and understand the gravity and the weight of what this means that I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus says, I'm calling you, I'm inviting you, not just to make the disciples, not just to make disciples, but to experience me in a deep relationship of trust and dependence. And you're gonna see as you step out and you trust God, we've seen this in our family more in the last six months than I probably have in my whole life. As you learn to just stretch yourself and say, God, I can't do this. God says, I know you can't. Isn't this fun? And he just fills all that void with his glory and his goodness. And you look back and you say, it could have never happened without Jesus because he was there every second. He knew what he wanted to do and he never failed. And I got to be a part of that. Jesus said, it's a promise. As you wrap your life around this, as you get serious about this, Jesus says, watch me show myself again and again. Watch me save people. Watch me break addictions. Watch me heal families. Watch me show you what real growth in a person's life looks like. Jesus says, the question is, are you ready to come? Are you ready to follow me? Are you ready to really hear me and to do what I'm telling you to do. Always believing it's not just a command, but every command is an invitation to life. Because it's the greatest life that there is in the universe is a life where we're with Jesus, following him. It's worth everything. It's worth everything. You could give up everything and not miss a beat because Jesus is so much better. He's worth so much more. So I just wanna ask you guys a simple question and leave you with this challenge and we'll move into a response time. 
What does it look like for you to wholeheartedly embrace making disciples in your life? And I want to challenge you with that, to wholeheartedly embrace this invitation to make disciples. Begin asking yourself this week of, okay, where can I start? Maybe you just start small, but God, where can I start to be more intentional to embrace this invitation in my life? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. God, thank you for the way that you speak to us over and over again. God, thank you for the way that you challenge us and you move in us. God, I pray that you would continue to transform our hearts, that we might become the people, the church that you desire. God, help us to embrace, to see the beauty and to embrace this invitation to make disciples. And thank you for the promise that Jesus is always with us, even to the end of the age. We love you, God. We give you this time. Have your way. Whatever you want to do, God, we are your people. In Jesus' name, amen.